Good morning. How's everybody today? Awesome. Somebody is, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I am too. I'm glad, glad to be here. You know, it's 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 fun, you know, to come together and to, to sing and to open up the word together, right? Have you ever thought about that word? You know, we are we are set apart to be on mission together. There are a few letters in the New Testament that are that are written to one specific person, but a lot of the letters are, are written to a church on how to be on mission, on how to, to know the Lord above and to make him known, right? Uh, to, uh, most books are set like this, especially Paul's are, this is what the God of the universe has done for you, and this is what you're going to do, right? It always ends with all the theology, the good stuff, and then it comes to the therefore you know, we, we come together to, to celebrate who the Lord is and to know him more uh, as a church, to be encouraged and equipped to be in his, his gladness. Oh. You know, so we can go out from here and tell the world. Uh, I think joy to the world and then go tell it on the mountain are probably my two favorite <laughs> of the Christmas hymns because they are so... Uh, oh, next week? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> dropping hints <laughs> you know because they they tell us you know joy to the world you know prepare him room and to go tell it on a mountain that the lord has come you know it's an amazing thing to uh, take time to study through any portion of the bible right you know even leviticus which is my favorite old testament book i was actually explaining that to to joe on thursday uh, because it explains of, of the, the weight and magnitude of, of sin. Uh, there's a lot of blood that you need to approach the God of the universe. But then you go to Hebrews and it says the law is just a shadow. All, all of that blood, all of that was pointing to someone coming to give his life. The man Christ Jesus. Because the blood of bulls and goats does not take away sin, but Jesus does. As we have studied through the book of Habakkuk, we have seen the prophet's questions. We have heard his praises and ponderings and his uh, wrestlings with God, and we have heard the Lord's response. And then we have seen that the Lord is in control of all of history and proclaims the truth that the righteous shall live by faith alone and that the wicked will only find death in the way that they go. Well, chapter 3 changes. It's no longer a, a conversation, but it is one of, one of praise and, and, and song. And uh, we see in chapter 3 that the Lord overcomes. And we see that as darkness seems to be overwhelming, it truly will not win the day. Let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Oh, Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to come before uh, your word and to, to study it. And how 
just that amazing truth that we can have the Bible in our mother tongue and know you more and worship you and know that we can worship you in spirit and truth. And just uh, sing about a babe born in Bethlehem that is so different than any other kid ever born because he is God in the flesh come to redeem humanity, come to seek and save that which was lost, us sinners. Thank you for that amazing truth. Lord, be with us in this time as we uh, study through this portion of Scripture. I know there's a lot going on in life. There's a lot of hurts and pains, a lot of people uh, just needing your healing hand and your comfort, Lord, and your peace that surpasses understanding. And we just lift them up, Lord. I just thank you for today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. It's the beginning of the end. Anybody else excited? Right. <laughs> or the end of the beginning, as Winston Churchill would say it, right? Or maybe that was General Montgomery. I can't remember who said that. The Battle of El Hall, Maine, right? No? World War II? Anybody? <laughs> Sorry. I'll Google it later. I'll let you know tomorrow or next Sunday. <laughs> but chapter 3, uh, we will be in verses 1 through 13. The prophet of the Lord writes this. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. According to the word I should have uh, listened to before I got up here. <laughs> Shin Galath. O oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came for T-men, from T-men, and the holy mountain, holy one from the Mount Pinar, Shelah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed before him, before rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague, followed him, followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of the Crushans afflicted, and the, the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers? Or your indignation against the sea? When your rod when you rode on your horse and your chariot on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. Shalah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and withered. The raging waters swept on. 
The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people and the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Shalah. Now that is a righteous psalm, right? <laughs> like there's so much history packed into those 13 verses. Well, first and foremost, this is quite different. It is actually indicated from the label uh, even on my Bible, it says Habakkuk's prayer. The first verse indicates that it is actually to be set to psalm. And rendering it a song just like other psalms were. Uh, this is actually most uh, historians, uh, biblical scholars say, well, Habakkuk was most likely a Levite um, because he knew the priestly ordinances. He had sung a lot of psalms in his day. And so at the end, he, he writes one as well. This, this is a prayer and a praise song all in one. The prophet says that he heard reports of the Lord. He has heard of the, the work of the Lord. The prophet knows these things. And his reaction was fear. As we hear from the proverb, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That is, is where the, the prophet starts. He starts with fear. And that is the beginning point of the knowledge of God and the instruction that we need. Habakkuk goes on saying this, re, revive it, right? Re, resuscitate this thought throughout the years to make it known the truth of who the Lord Almighty is and, and what he has done so that we may know our place and make him known and then in this in, in wrath remember mercy remember everything that he has done you know, because Judea and Jerusalem, they're going to face what's coming. But that they would know who the Lord is and not forget. And even as they face judgment and exile, they can remember mercy. For who is the Lord to them? Well, the Lord is the one who has revealed himself to Israel. The Holy One has shown his splendor. And praise has filled the earth. He is light, and yet he is wrath with pestilence and plagues that follow at his heels. Habakkuk knows the future looks dark, right? But he recalls all the other days of Israel's history through the exodus, through the 40 years in the wilderness, to the judges and the kings. The Lord has been faithful even as he has judged those that are wicked. 
the Lord knows all, and he is above all. His judgment has come and has shook the nations. Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judea, the southern kingdom, were judged as well. But the Lord's ways are everlasting. Habakkuk points right here to the afflictions of the Crushians, the Crushites, and the Midianites. The nations around them knew who the Lord was, and the rivers knew who commanded them. The Lord is a just judge, the giver of all mercy. One psalmist tells of the event in the wilderness. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. That's, that's when Moses strikes the rock, right? And, and the, the river comes out and feeds the least two million people that are in the wilderness at the time. The prophet points to all the wonders of the history of Israel. That they have seen Mount Sinai on fire, wrapped in smoke, shaking. They have seen the Red Sea split, and they walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And they saw this. They saw the sun and moon stood in their place as Joshua battled. And they saw that the Lord God himself fought for Israel. Habakkuk knows these wonders. He grew up knowing these events, hearing them from his grandpa or maybe even his great-grandpa and learning all of that, growing up in that history. He understood who the Lord was, is, and forever will be. He has seen that the Lord has brought about salvation for his people and that those that are set apart have been rescued and the wicked have been crushed, slain by the Lord of hosts himself. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus, Exodus 34. Exodus 34, verses 5 through 7, the Lord proclaims about himself. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there, that's Moses, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity on the fathers and on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And the Lord tells Moses that he is a God that is merciful and gracious. And that isn't lost on us, right? We, we know this, we believe this and accept this, that God is love, which is true. He alone is faithful and steadfast. He alone forgives. But he also is this, 
he will not clear the guilty and he will deal with the wicked. And we, we may know that God is a God of wrath. We may believe that he is the just judge. But I feel like, you know, accepting that is hard for us to see. But it is true. It is as true as the part of grace and forgiveness. Yet we sometimes think it's, you know, God is okay with this or that. Because God is only, right, emphasis on a capital, only a God of love. See, we change the verse a bit to make it more, you know, user-friendly for the age. But the context makes clear that God is also the God saying that this is the truth and this is the way and it is through Jesus alone. The Apostle John writes this in 1 John 4, 7 through 12. As you know, that's that's a quote, right? It's like, uh, "Ye not judge, and God is love." Those are the two misquoted verses uh, of our era. Uh, well, and there's a lot more too, but those are the biggies. But John writes this: "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love." In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his Son to be the propitiation for all our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Not one, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And the truth stands out, right? You know, we will only love ourselves if we're not born from God. True, unending love, the Greek word agape, comes from the Lord alone, right? Filio... Uh, Oh, man, I should have wrote it down. But the other loves, because there's four of them in Greek, can be of other things. But from God alone comes agape love. And only if we live in him are we covered and covered by him can we love with truth and love our neighbors as ourselves. And I think we have a hard time with God being a God of wrath and a God of love. Because I think we live in a world that says, well, you can't have what one way, you can only have it one way or another, right? Rare, medium, or well done. That's how you have your steak, that's how you have a person. You know, oh, they're judgy, oh, they're loving. It's like, but you cannot love people with without judging them, right? What is it? Yeah, yeah, that's what. <laughs> uh, you cannot, sorry, yeah, you cannot judge people that you love and you cannot love people whom you judge. You know, it's the, it's the oxymoron of our age, right? Jumbo shrimp. But it's simply not the case because you cannot be loving without setting limits and you cannot judge if you allow everything. See, sin is humanity's problem 
And Jesus is the solution. That's, that's the, the truth of the whole matter. Because he alone is the Savior and nothing else can come, overcome the problem that we face. And we truly are in that mess together. So we need someone from outside to come and rescue us from sin and death. And someone who, who loves us enough to tell us the truth of our situation and our state. God has told us this in Genesis. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. See, there was all of creation to enjoy, to take from, and to walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. But one little itty-bitty area was off limits. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, right here, God is judge. He tells what is good and evil. He alone is the Almighty, the Sovereign One. He is Creator, and we are creation. Right? We are to be under His authority. He sets the standards. But we all know the, the rest of the story, right? We know what happens. We listened to a lie in Genesis 3. The serpent, but the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, we did not listen to the Lord our God. No, we listened to the words of the serpent and we reached for what God had told us not to. And Adam and Eve's eyes were opened and they hid. But God came for them. He called out to them and dealt with what had happened and, and love entered. Right then and there, the good news was promised even as judgment was being delivered, even as the curse was being told. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. See, humanity had fallen but the first promise of the promised one was already here. He would crush the serpent, and yet he would be bruised. But the victory would be found in God's anointed one. And that's, that's what Christ and Messiah mean. They're, they're titles, right? It's not, you know, Jesus Christ. That's not his last name. It's not on his P.O. box, right? But it's his title. It's like Mr., Mrs., Dr., M MDV, something... <laughs> You know, he is the anointed of God. See, we see this even in Genesis that God is a God of judgment and he is a God of love. And we understand this, but it is hard to accept. And I think another part of it is, is because we don't see what Israel did. See, when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, they were consumed right away. They're killed. Their judgment was immediate. Our judgment is stored up. Both come from the Lord who knows our hearts, our minds, and our deeds in every single word. Jesus states this in Matthew, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account 
for every careless or idle, as some translations say, word they speak. Even our idle words will be judged. It tells you the, yeah, if we keep on talking about the tongue here, we should probably go to the book of James next, right? <laughs> but it tells you the power of the tongue, that even our tongue will be judged. One event Jesus points to tells us this, of what we can learn from Israel's immediate judgment. He tells us, he tells Nicodemus this in John 3. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Well, the event that, that Jesus is referring to, to Nicodemus, is in Numbers chapter 21, if you want to turn your Bibles with me there. But in Numbers uh, 21, verses 4 through 9. <clears throat> From Mount Hor, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and water, and we loathe them. We loathe this worthless food. I'm like, wait, you just said there's no food. Oh, we hate this. We want more garlic bread or something. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, he will see it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a fiery and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze and serpent and live. See the problem was right there in their face. But so is ours, right? We may not see it unless we turn on the nightly news because oh, our lives are perfect, right? <laughs> but we're sinners, right? We're sinners doomed to die. The people know this. They know those fiery serpents are coming right at them. So they, they run to Moses and, and say, we have sinned against you. We have spoken against the Lord. We have spoken against you. Please fix this. So Moses went to the Lord for an answer. And the Lord told him what to do. Build this pole, set up a bronze serpent on it. And they can look at it and be healed. I always imagine this illustration. I'm like, can you imagine some dude getting bit and being like, I'm not, I'm not looking. I'm done. You know, and just falls over dead. But see, our, our wrath is as real as that immediate judgment in the wilderness. But it is being stored up for the day of judgment. So all, all we need to do is, is look at the Son of Man and believe in Him and trust in the finished work in Christ. And we know we will live. But yet, so many, like the, 
I mean, that could be a good soap opera episode <laughs> because I always take numbers as, you know, that's what I explain it. I'm like, it's like episodes from a show where it's like they're in the 40 years of the wilderness and you kind of just get, well, these people died here and these people rebelled here. And I'm like, yeah, see, this is like Dallas or whatever, you know, Seinfeld, you know, deplorables in the desert. See, we even got a name. We can produce it. There we go. <laughs> but but that, that man standing there, no, I'm, I'm just going to die, you know, but we're... We're like that too as a culture, right? It's like, oh no, I'll just I'll put a band-aid on it, or you know, hey, the government can fix it. It's like, no, it's it's Christ alone, right? It's Christ alone that can that can give us life. You know, we hope in a God of love and in a God of judgment. A God that will deal with all the horrors of history. You know, this this last year I I read a book on the Armenian Holocaust. Not very many people know about the Armenian Holocaust. It happened during World War I, and the world was pretty fixated on, on all of that in Europe. So the Turks went and, and killed all the Christians in Turkey. But even the unknown horrors of history... We, we have a God who will not turn a blind eye to what is going on. A God who loves all and calls them all to repentance. To look to the Son and trust in him. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Right? Just a just a nice little shepherd, you know, carrying the lambs, right? Do you ever see that picture of Jesus? One of my friends had this cool picture of Jesus, and he's just carrying sheep. But he's also the judge of all nations. He will judge those that he has come to save. Jesus tells us this in Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on a on his glorious throne before him. <clears throat> will be gathered all the nations and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So he is the Lord of lords and he is the king of kings. He will set upon his glorious throne and all will be gathered before him and he will judge all. See, believers, those that have looked to the Lamb for salvation will be judged by another seat. They will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. And the Got Questions had a had a really good answer on this of what is what is the it's it's called the Bema seat of Christ, but what is the judgment seat of Christ? And they uh, they say this: the judgment seat of Christ involves a time in the future when believers will give an account of themselves to Christ. This is plain teaching. This is the plain teaching in Scripture. Uh, they quote Second uh, Corinthians five ten. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The warning is to Christians, not to unbelievers, as Jesus taught in his parable. The king is going to return, at which time he will require an account from the servants. And that's Luke 19, 11 through 26. The judgment seat of Christ is different from the great white throne judgment uh, described above in Matthew. That will be a final judgment of the wicked prior to their being cast into the lake of fire. 
appearing before the great, great, ooh, excuse me, great white throne will be unbelievers. Believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat does not determine our salvation. That matter was settled by Christ's sacrifice on our behalf and our faith in him. All of our sins are forgiven, and therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. So as we go to the Bema Seat of Christ, it's about rewards. It's about our good works or our fumbles through life of what have we done for Christ, good or bad. See, that's why we, we go forward and we serve him now and here to please the one who has enlisted us into his service, just as Paul talks to Timothy, no soldier is entangled by civilian affairs, but serves to please the one that has enlisted him. See, we serve our master, the one who has created and redeemed us, so that we would let the world know that there is a God who loves and a God who judges. And he tells us what is sin and what is everlasting life. We trust in him, for he alone has overcome, <coughs> overcome what has overwhelmed us. He alone can bring salvation forward, and thanks be to God, he has brought it forward in Christ Jesus. Well, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for everything that you have blessed us with in Christ Jesus. You have given us life everlasting. And as we look upon your son and believe in him and trust in him, we can know that we are bound for heaven. And being a new creation, a workmanship of, of Christ, we can, we can walk worthy of our calling and go forward day by day uh, knowing you and making you known, Lord. And help us. Uh, point out someone to us in our walk of life that even if it's just to invite them to the, the soup dinner, uh, to, to church, even it's just to talk about life, Lord. And just uh, be a witness in the darkness for you to point people to you, Lord. And we just thank you for uh, the fact that you have overcome, that darkness has not won the day, that your son has come to overcome the world, and that we can trust in him. And thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.